0: three two
1: one welcome to learn videography a podcast dedicated to mastering the art and business of becoming a full-time videographer presented by industry jump hosted by director kyle loftus and producer jj
0: Inglers.
2: let's go welcome back to learn videography your podcast to learn everything you need to know about becoming a full-time videographer As always, I'm here with my co-host Kyle Loftus and our special guest for today, Ryan Snod, a content creator and video marketer in Central Iowa. How are we doing, gentlemen?
1: Yo, yo, yo. What's up, guys?
2: Thanks for hey, what's having good. me. Hey, pleasure to have you. Thanks for being here. Uh, for our listeners out there, we are focused on video marketing this week, including all of the marketing terms and platforms that you should know so you can land bigger deals with your clients. Throughout this episode, we'll talk to Ryan about his journey as a content creator and learn how he balances a full-time job at an advertising agency and as a content creator. We'll also learn how Ryan strategizes video marketing techniques with his clients. And hopefully by the end of this episode, you all will be confident in speaking the video marketing lingo with your clients as well.
1: So Ryan, let's get right into it and start off by learning, you know, just a bit more about you and your own journey as a content creator. So share with us uh, the good old origin story for you.
0: Sure. Yeah. And thanks again, guys, for having me on. Once I saw you guys podcast in, in Apple iTunes, I was like, I got to get on the show. These guys are dropping some serious bombs. So thank you so much for having <laughs> me. Um, so kind of the the origin story of me here, um, I always start usually in college. So about six years ago, I was a junior in college uh, studying business management, and I I'm, I'm really into fitness and I wanted to kind of get into videography. So I saw a lot of YouTubers that were doing fitness content. And I said, Hey, I want to start my own YouTube channel. So I started recording all my workouts on my GoPro at the time, uh, bought a really cheap, uh, Canon, uh, T five camera and started just shooting my workouts and putting out weekly videos on my YouTube channel. So, uh, that's kind of how I got started, uh, putting out weekly videos and then nobody watched. So after (laughs) a couple of months of doing that, um, I kind of put it on the back burner and just enjoyed college. And then, As I started doing more of those workout videos, I had some people around campus that were asking me to shoot videos for their organizations or fraternities or sororities, nonprofits, those types of things. Um, Over the summer, while I was in college, I actually was looking for a marketing internship and I found this this very low paying summer gig where I was going to be shooting interviews of CEOs and business owners around the Des Moines metro area where I'm from. And it was only like 500 bucks of payment and it was like three months of shooting. So it was really labor intensive. <laughs> I blocked money yeah, on the gas. To get there. <laughs> um, but from that experience, I actually got to interview 12 of the biggest, most influential business owners, presidents of colleges in the Des Moines area. So I literally, I was interviewing a guy who's a billionaire from Northern uh, Des Moines who like invented miracle Grow fertilizer, right? So it was people like that. <laughs> um, and as I'm with these interviews with people, they started saying, hey, man, you're really you're really personable. You're really fun to shoot with. I think it would be fun to shoot for my business. So, um, after about a year of doing that, that one, uh, kickoff gig got me so much more work that I started shooting freelance. Um, my one little camera that I bought for 300 bucks from target. in that first year I made over $10,000 with that camera. So I took all that money and <laughs> awesome. buying uh, new gear. And then I was off to the races and I said, Hey, if I can do this in my spare time, you know, when I'm in college, and I'm not even that good. And people are going to pay me uh, this much money just to shoot one-off little videos. What would happen if I got better gear? I found bigger clients and those types of things. So that really led me down uh, down the road of shooting freelance. So that's kind of my my kickoff there. And then after I got out of college, I was still continuing to shoot freelance. And um, I was looking for full-time gigs and found a job at a creative studio in Urbandale that we kind of created together. So I, I came to the company and said, here's my skill set what can I help you with? And basically what I do at my full-time gig is um, more of a market strategy role. And I also do account management, project management for larger clients. So we serve really large corporations in the Midwest, um, agriculture, healthcare, electrical, like those types of companies, um, and help them create content. So websites, videos, and those things. My role there is more helping um, with the video marketing side of things. So we'll go shoot a huge production that's $50,000, $100,000 to produce, um, I help strategize how are we going to leverage this piece of content in your marketing strategy to get you a result? Because that's really what these huge companies want. Um, If they're going to invest tens of thousands of dollars into a project, they want to make sure they're going to get a good return. So that's kind of what I do in my full-time job. I also still shoot freelance. Um, I love shooting fitness content, small business content, helping different clients with that. So I've been doing that continuously the last six years, still scratching that creative itch. And then about three years ago, I was getting a lot of questions from uh, friends and people on the internet asking me how the heck I was landing these jobs and how to sell and market and those things. So that kind of led me to create a YouTube channel, Facebook group, and an online course to help those people as well. So trying to give back as much as I can and, and help some people out in that way. So that's really the, the five minute or version less of me professionally. So hopefully everybody's still awake from after that. But
2: yeah, <laughs> that's, I mean, I, I love it. I love it so much. I love that was awesome, so man. much what you said. I also really enjoy when you said that you went to this company and said, "Here's my skill set. You know, what can we do together?" Because I feel like I've had the most success in my life by doing the same thing. Reaching out to companies that aren't even hiring and saying, "Hey, I want to work for you for one reason or another. Here's my skill set. Let me know how I could fit in and we'll just make something work." You know, and I feel like so many opportunities come from those types of situations where you just go out there, knock on some doors and make it happen. And I hope our listeners are listening to that because they should be doing the same thing. And I think that could really help them really grow their company. So thanks for sharing that, Ryan.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I also, you know, piggybacking off of that, I love what you mentioned, uh, you know, you kind of took that opportunity anyways, you know, even though the the pay wasn't quite there. Um, doing all those interviews, at least I hope hope you were taking it with with the mindset, you know, of seeing the opportunity and potential. Um, you know, interviewing people of of that stature and that have that kind of network and, and system that that you can get connected and embedded into. You know, if you do great work. So, um, hats off for for doing that as well. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: for sure. Can you talk to us about your job at the advertising agency and say you're um, you're working with a client. You know, how do you start to talk to that client about video marketing and, you know, hey, we're going to put together this $50,000 video, but here are some of the ways that we could, you know, get that return on investment for you. So, what does that conversation even look like?
0: Sure. Yeah. So, I think that's a big thing. If a lot of people that are listening to this are kind of a solo owner operator or work with a small crew, um, the idea of going into a discovery meeting or a pricing meeting to kind of talk about the scope of a project and, and telling them it's going to cost fifty dollars to $100,000 for, you know, that would make most people probably like squeam and just like, oh God, you know, this is, this is crazy. So um, right. the, fir- the first thing is just really trying to figure out um, what their need is and what the value is, right? So kind of how that conversation starts, it's more along the lines of business results. And I really think, and that's something we can talk about a lot in this conversation today is how do you how do you communicate that you understand a business's problems and how you can use your skill set to to get them a result so you can provide the value that they're looking for? So, um to your point or to your question, I'm trying to remember what your question was now. <laughs> was it about the the bringing that conversation up, or how does that look like in a conversation?
2: Yeah, so how do you go about finding, you know, this business's problems, you know, so then you can come up with solutions that you put a strategy around with your video marketing efforts.
0: Sure, sure, yeah. So, when a client comes in at the at the creative studio, it's more about they have some big event, they have some launch that they're going to do for a new product, they have some kind of event that they're trying to promote or some kind of end goal that they have. For the most part, if they're coming to us, they have something that they're trying to solve. So, Usually it's a large event, they're having a donation event, or they're going to run ads on TV, and they want something really professionally shot. But usually the conversation that they bring to the table is, hey, we want a video. And the first question that we always ask is, why? And if they can't answer that question, we dig a lot deeper. So we start asking questions like, well, what what's the actual problem you're trying to solve? It's like, oh, we're trying to raise awareness for this event. Okay, what's your goal for the event? Oh, we'd like to raise you know, $2 million in donations from this event and it's for wealthy investors and we need something that's gonna attract them to come and convince them to donate. And it's like, okay, now we're talking about your actual problem. So if you're looking to make $2 million from this donation event, wouldn't it make sense to charge or to invest $50,000 to make sure that that video is very well produced, it goes off seamlessly, it's scripted perfectly and it's gonna get you the best chance at getting that result? And most of the time, that's how we can get that conversation going, where a lot of times when you're talking with a freelancer, they don't go that deep on a conversation. Someone will say, what's your pricing? And they'll say, oh, my day rate's X and here's what my contract is and see you later. And the deeper that you go in a conversation, one, you really get get to understand what that client's problems are and how you can solve them. And two, it doesn't really matter what the price is at that point because you've gone so deep and you actually care and are invested in their business that you can get to that upper higher tier of paying customer, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm.
2: Right, right. It does. And and so when you're looking at that $50,000 video and for this example to add on to it, you know, they're looking for this type of return, what kind of marketing channels would you suggest for them in this situation?
0: Sure. If it's like the donation video, we already know the distribution platform is, they're going to play it live at that donation event, right? So, um, one of the ones that I'm thinking of ended up twenty xing their their projected goal within nine months of doing that. So they had the launch event. But then we also had follow-ups via email and then they had a private uh, website that they were hosting that they wanted to put the videos on. So that's kind of the example that I'm using in my head. but um so we know we've already talked about that, and then it's about, okay, the main purpose, so the top level main reason we're making the video is to convince people to donate right at the event because they're warm, they're there, they're all dressed up and they're ball gowns and their suits and we want them to cut a check right then and there so we want to motivate them to donate right so we have to hit on the emotional strings to do that we have to do this 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 and this how else can we leverage the video oh we could put it on a website we could email it out to our alumni list we could email it out to our past donor list and leverage it later on down the road so then as you can see just from us talking this through we made the video for this one event, but we're starting to stretch the, the breadth of it longer so we can use this and leverage it in multiple ways so they can make more of an impact with the efforts that we're putting in with making a video like that.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. So I, th- I suppose one of the questions you ask is, you know, what channels do they have access to that we might be able to repurpose for this video once it's completed?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. One of the the first things in onboarding I always ask is like, what's your email list? Do you have an ad presence on Facebook or Instagram or where do you see the most or the biggest audience that you currently have? Because a lot of times they're the clients, if you're talking to a marketing director or somebody that does marketing, they're gonna know a lot more about the business than you. So you really want to leverage their knowledge. And if they say, Hey, you know, our biggest audience is on LinkedIn, It's like, oh, okay, how can we leverage that organically with this video to get the results we want? Or how do we run ads on Facebook or Google or YouTube pre-roll to get the results that you want with it?
1: It's time for our ad break and our sponsor of the day for today's episode. Thank you, Artlist. If y'all haven't heard of them, it's time you do. I am talking about music licensing made easy. They help you with one single and simple plan starting at $199 for a full year of licensed music no additional costs no hidden fees unbelievable quality and i'm talking unlimited license for commercial tv podcasts youtube the list goes on sign up today using the link in our bio at learn videography or in our show notes and you get two months free added onto your plan now get creating And Ryan, what do you do in in a situation where maybe it's it's a business that comes to you um, you know they know they want or need a video, but maybe they don't have any current you know marketing efforts or presence on social media so they have nothing for you to really look on and say, here's what you guys have already done that didn't work or here's what you guys did that that did work and, and this is what your brand looks like like what if it's kind of a new and fresh business? They have five thousand dollars to spend but you know, they have, again, no previous kind of branding or
0: work done. So it's almost a start from scratch kind of thing. Sure. Um, At the studio, usually we don't do anything for a project that's like, say, under $10,000 usually, just because we have a lot of, of hard costs that we have to incur. So we usually don't. I mean, we go for the more top tier businesses. But if sure. it was from like a freelance client that came to me and said, hey, we've got five grand to spend on a video campaign. We've never run ads before. What can you do for me? I would just honestly try and upsell the advertising as a, as an add-on service, right? So um, that's a huge thing that a lot of freelancers can learn to do is how to actually run the advertisements because if somebody comes to you and they don't know how to run the ads and you produce an amazing video and you give it to them and now they don't know what to do with it or how to get the results with it, you've essentially not helped them at all, right? They came to mm-hmm. you for more customers, more engagement, more in- impressions, awareness, whatever they're trying to come to you for, and you're going to give them something that could do that, but you're, you're giving them like half of the key, right? Like you're giving mm-hmm. them a key with not telling them where the door is to go put the key in, how to turn it, where if you All can right. <laughs> make the key, show them the door, walk up, turn the key for them, open it and say, walk through it. It's a lot more of a pleasing process for the customer. You're giving them the results they want, and they're going to have to pay a premium for that because it's going to be something a lot different than most freelancers out there would do for somebody.
2: Yeah, for sure. And it, it's almost like if you're not doing that, you're setting them up to fail and to not come back to you because that video is not going to get them the results that they need in order to bring in more revenue kind of thing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And in my process too, I have like a 16 step business process that I follow with all my clients. And one of the big things that I do after I deliver a video, if I was running ads for them, or if they're going to run their own ads is I'll follow up with them a couple of weeks after I deliver the video and ask how things are going. And a lot of times that that does a lot of good benefits for me. One, it's to make sure if they're having a really bad experience or the ads aren't performing, that I can help them with it and upsell that service. Uh, Two, I can hear if they've, if they've won, uh, had some quick wins, like they're hitting some sales goals or whatever they're trying to do. And three, it can team me up for more future business too. So if they're having a great experience they're like, yeah, these are killing it. And then it just kind of brings up that conversation. Well, what if we did this? What if we shot at a new location or what if we made a different ad group that we can shoot and A-B test the ads. And it just kind of brings that conversation up so you're always in the loop and you're constantly getting more and more work.
2: Yeah. When you, like, say as a freelancer, someone came to you with that $5,000 budget, how much would you spend on the video? And how much would you spend on advertising? Say they only had 5,000 max. You know, how would you break that up?
0: Sure. So I'd try and make sure I could fit whatever they're trying to do into a certain amount of days to, to accommodate that budget. And then usually what I do is if they have a set budget... Um, almost always they can go higher than that. People just say that because they don't want to spend more than that. Uh, usually when I'm doing a discovery call, somebody will tell me their budget. And by the end of the call, I've almost doubled it and they're still okay with it because they don't, we're talking through the problem and the budget's just, a you know, the, the budget's so fluid, like fluid for most people. Like it's not like they have $5,000 in a briefcase and that's all they can give you, especially for Mm -hmm. a business. If you can get them a result, they'll invest more money in it too. So I think that's a lot, that's a big thing is just trying to figure out that, The money is really scary to talk about for most creatives, because especially if you're not like me, like I went to school for business. I have a sales background. I have a marketing background. Like I can talk business executive and be okay with it. You know, um, we've sold multi six figure deals and I'm in the room with it. Just like, this is crazy, you know, that that I'm involved in this. So it's kind of crazy. But um, to your point, though, if they have a certain budget, usually um, I'll double the price of the video for the ad runs and we'll do them for three to six months at a time. So I'll upsell that as a monthly charge. And then if they want to, like, I'll tell them, here's the typical results you can expect from a campaign if you're spending, say, $10 a day. And that's not going to be a part of my cost either. That's your ad budget. So again, if you want more results and you want more traffic, you have to put more money into the ads, which that is, it's very fluid. So you can spend as little or as much as you want. I can help run the ads as a part of my service. We can produce the video. We can script it. We can do A-B testing with the ads. I can give you a report. Um, every single week, like whatever people want to do, we can kind of talk through that to figure out how we can solve the problem for them.
2: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, And when you are say scripting a video, you know, how close do you work with their marketing team to make sure that the the video strategy that you're putting together is, is on point, or do you come up with that whole strategy yourself?
0: Sure. Yeah. So it really just depends. Like if they have, Experience or they have a marketing department. Usually, I'm like, well, what are you guys doing then? <laughs> you know, it's like you you have a marketing yeah. department. That isn't that your job, you know. But it just depends on yeah. what their expertise is. So um, usually, I'll have a rough idea. I'll once they've agreed to do it, then I'll sit down and I'll script out or concept a video. I'll run it by them, and then sometimes they'll they'll script it based on that concept, or I will script it based on my own concept. It just depends on how much freedom the client is willing to give me. Um, preferably I like to build the entire funnel myself, script the whole video concept it, and everything. And I'm not a control freak by any means, but I also know that the more hands that get into the pot, um, the more diluted the message can get and people don't, don't think about it in terms of a business, uh, result, right. They want to make it as creative Mm -hmm. as they can, a cool idea that doesn't really deliver on what they're trying to do. So that's kind of the, the downsides there. So,
2: Mm -hmm. and when you're talking about marketing spend, is it just like Google AdWords or is it Facebook? Like, do you have one platform or do you spread it out? What do you uh, suggest there?
0: Sure. So, I mean, I have a lot of experience with Facebook and Instagram ads, especially for video. It's, it just makes a lot of sense to use that platform. Um, if you have, if they have a big email list too, you can make like audiences and we can go down that whole road at a different time. But mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of nuances with Facebook ads that if you know how to do it right, you can get some really good results for people. So, Um, I also have experience with Google and pre-roll. The thing with Google and pre-roll is that the click-through rates are a lot lower on average, meaning that less people will click through and do the thing you want them to do on the ad compared to Facebook and Instagram because Facebook Mm -hmm. and Instagram is so targeted because they know everything about you. They know all the pages that you Mm -hmm. like, everything, you know, I can put in, I want to talk to people that are Sony users that have five years of videography experience that say they're a freelance videographer and I can send an ad to that person and know exactly who it is and make the creative tailor mm-hmm. for that. So um, again, it's just, it just depends on what their strategy is that they're trying to do and what they're trying to, to reach there.
2: Yeah. And for like the landing page, like essentially the funnel, do you, like what happens when they click on that video? Do you guys build the, the website themselves, the landing page themselves, and make sure that landing page is optimized? Or is that just on the marketing department at that point?
0: Um, as a freelancer, that would be under the marketing department. Um, at Applied Art, when I with my creative studio that I work for full-time, we have a whole team that does that. So we have people that'll build the pages. We'll A-B test them, meaning we'll we'll change the color of a button on one from red to green, and then we'll run that for mm-hmm. a week and see if that gets any differences, which it actually does, which like the littlest changes can do things that are crazy. But as a mm-hmm. freelancer, I don't usually build the landing pages. If they have a website, usually they have somebody that's in charge of that. But I can tell them how it should look, and they can design it based on that. We can kind of work that out internally. So gotcha, yeah,
2: gotcha.
1: And and when you're um, going through these conversations, Ryan, you know how are you, you know, quote unquote, talking video marketing and. How do you make sure when you're working with businesses that might say, you know, have a marketing department, how do you make sure, as you kind of mentioned that, you know, the concept doesn't get diluted or the process doesn't get, you know, extremely extended because there's just so many people involved and in kind of voicing an opinion? How do you kind of put more control on that situation and, and again,
0: kind of talk that that lingo with them? Sure. That's a great question. I think it's really setting the expectation and explaining your process to people. One, that just makes you seem like you're a thought leader and you know what the heck you're doing because you've done this a couple of times. And two, it just establishes those boundaries right away so they know, um, okay, like I shot a video for a college recently that there was 15 rounds of revisions, right? Uh, because they keep bringing in the admissions director and the director of marketing and their VP right, of marketing and right. the all those people want to want to have yeah. a say in it, right? So after shooting with a couple colleges, I realized, okay, I need to put a cap on revisions, right? Um, the scope of this project includes five total revisions. So when we're coming up on the end, I'll remind them, hey, you have one more revision left. So you might want to send this to everybody that could potentially knock us back down the ladder, right? Um, I was also shooting a spot for a bank and they have a legal department. And I asked them right away, I said, hey, you guys are pretty big. Do you guys have a legal department? And they said, yes. So I said, okay. We're going to script this out before we shoot anything, send the script to legal, and we'll see what they say. And they came back with a bunch of revisions, which we made before we actually went and shot the video. Cause you can imagine if we went and shot the video, it gets edited, it goes to legal. And then they're like, you have to redo all of this. Right. So Oof. that'll just come with experience. Like if you haven't ran into those things yet, the bigger clients you have, the more of those things happen. Uh, luckily with me, I've had a lot of just different experiences with different types of companies that I can kind of foresee those things coming up. So for me, it's outline the, the ex- expectations. So however many revisions you're doing, um, making sure the scope of work is for this amount of work. Um, if they want more shoot days, they're going to have to pay you more for that. And that's okay, but this is what I'm going to do in this day. We're going to shoot X, Y, Z. We're going to edit X, Y, Z. We're going to give you this many revisions and then I'm done. That's kind of where we have to draw the line. So um, definitely just managing those expectations is critical to make sure you're not going to put triple the amount of hours into a project that you thought you'd do.
1: Right, right. And when you're having these conversations, you know, how do you use your marketing tactics or past case studies or clients even, you know, how do you use that to like, I guess, create a proof of concept as well as leverage the current client or future clients for bigger budgets?
0: Sure, sure. So a big thing that I think a lot of folks don't do, especially for whatever reason in our industry is like document your success. So um, I like to put up behind the scene cameras and take BTS on a lot of my shoots. I'll just put an Insta360 on my gimbal or I'll strap something to my chest like a GoPro and just document what I'm doing. Um, Because a lot of times these clients, they'll have really big success. Like I had a client that I use all the time in my discovery meetings to explain how my process gets the results. Right. Cause I can say all the things I'm talking about with you guys on the show here. Like we're going to run ads. We're going to do lookalike audiences. I can talk myself into a hole. And all of a sudden they're like, well, he sounds like he knows what he's doing, but I, I don't believe him yet. You know, but we can say, mm-hmm. okay, if you want to do a Kickstarter video, I shot a spot for a Kickstarter startup that our goal for sales was $12,000 in the entire month. We hit that in the first uh, hour and they raised over $47,000 in the first month doing the seed funding with the video that I created based on your exact issues. Right. So I can show Mm -hmm. them one of my case studies that that's one of my case studies that I shot here in Des Moines that we, you know, quadrupled their sales goal in this, in the month, because we followed the structure of here's exactly how you need to structure out your Kickstarter campaign to launch with the emails, with the call to actions and all the different things that way. so really talking, speaking video marketing, I guess, to your point is speaking the business lingo. That's really what it is, but not just speaking the talk, because I've talked to a lot of freelancers that they can talk the talk, but they can't walk it. So you want to be honest with people. You want to be clear and transparent, but you also want to just make sh- make it seem. And it should be that way that you've done this before. You're the person that can help them get the results they want. And you're going to be more of a strategic partner for them rather than just some dude that's going to show up and shoot a video and leave. Right. Cause once mm-hmm. you transcend that, you're just a video guy. You can start charging premium pricing for your service and people are going to be happy to pay it.
2: Right. And not only that, but you're, you're much bigger than just that one off video. You know, you can be that reoccurring, you know, uh, creator where you're making many videos and you're A-B testing those videos and you're helping with the campaigns and you're getting commissions on those. And it turns that one client into someone that you can sell many, many services to for a long time.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then once you get those people, like I said, if you can get somebody on retainer, which is kind of the, the ultimate awesomeness there when you can get, you know, three or four or five yeah, people yeah. paying you two or three grand a month to manage their ads. Now you actually have consistent repeatable income every month. And then you can do one-off videos on top of that to make, that's how you really generate a multiple six figure income from doing this rather than doing a one-off video for a huge company, and never hearing from them again. So right, really like if you're listening to this and you're like, Ryan's blowing smoke, like marketing's stupid. I'll just keep shooting. Like you need to learn how to be multifaceted. So you can be a, a serious threat for people. You can be a one-man shop that can do that. Or if you hate running the ads, find somebody that can run them for you and just contract them out and have it as a part of your package. It's it's really just a a game changer for that. Because in the past, you know, you'd have to have tens of thousands of dollars to shoot the spot and then tens of thousands to run the ads on TV. And then you hope you get a result, right? where now you can mm-hmm. you can do all of that and manage it and see how the actual results are happening with running ads on Google or Facebook or Instagram or wherever you're going to run the ads at.
2: Right, and not only that, but it makes for a more scalable business because as a solo content creator, we can only be in so many places at once, you know? And so we can only shoot so many videos and we can only land so many clients. But if we're able to you know, manage uh, an ad spend and to manage a marketing campaign for four or five different retainers that's running 24 seven. And we're making money from that 24 seven. And then we have one off gigs on top of that. All of a sudden we're starting to scale our business. We're growing our business and we can start to look at hiring people to add to the team because we have more sustainable revenue coming in. Absolutely. How long do you, have you been at the creative Studios? So-
0: Yeah, so I've been I've been working there for over four years now since I graduated from college. And since then, I've also been shooting freelance as well and dabbling in some side projects. But I've been there for four years.
2: Can you share one tip with us that they do or you have found that works really well? uh that you could pass on to our content creators when working with clients essentially like is there one kind of strategy or trick that you have where it's like you're talking with a client and they just don't know about a video is there maybe something that you do that pushes them over the edge or anything like that
0: Sure yeah there there's tons of sales tactics you can employ um the big thing i think is just making sure that when you're presenting always present in person if you can um if you just send them a pitch deck or a price they're it's going to lower your chances of closing Um, we've never closed a multi, you know, six figure deal by just sending them a pitch deck and saying, Hey, give me a call. If you want to do this, like you have to sell it, you know? Um, I think the biggest tip I would say is when you put your pitch decks together, make sure they're well-branded, make sure that the first slide is always about the goal. What are we trying to achieve with this project? And then make sure when you get to the end, you lay their, their options out for them. So you make it just super easy. It's okay. You can hire us for this price. We're going to do all of it for you. We're going to take it completely off your plate, or you can go hire somebody way cheaper that doesn't know what they're doing that you put your entire business in jeopardy for this marketing campaign. Um, you know, that, just leave it like plain as day. Or if they've gotten three bids, like, Hey, we know, or you just ask them, Hey, who else have you talked to about this project? Um, okay. Well, how we're different is blah, 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 blah. And then also just having key differentiators. What what makes you different or unique? Because, again, you're going to really eliminate those price shoppers, people that are only asking you what your rates are. Um, once you start to transcend that and talk about how you're going to help their business. Um, I, I, am just a huge believer in that once you bypass that people just stop talking about money. It's about like, okay, this, I really like this guy. Like he seems like he knows what he's doing. Like he has a past record, like let's do this, you know?
2: Yeah yeah and not only that but there's a there's a lot of agencies out there. there's a lot of people that can do this sort of stuff out there, and so really you know providing that value pitch and also to let them know that you care about solving their problems can really go a long way and i think the- in person meeting is is crucial as well for sure absolutely
1: yeah i mean how do you how do you market yourself effectively you know especially with this i guess you know if you're gonna implement this and and have this part of your business model as a as a videographer in the freelance sense, you know, how do you market that service and yourself effectively in a, you know, marketplace, social media, that's essentially oversaturated with video marketers or excuse me, video videographers.
0: Sure. Yeah. I would say pick a niche and go deep on it and figure out where that niche spends a lot of time and then show up for those people. So for me, LinkedIn is just an absolute monster for new inbound leads I swear whenever I post a new LinkedIn video or post or anything, like I have a bunch of people just DMing me because they're just kind of the I call them the LinkedIn lurkers that are just always like <laughs> watching. Cause a lot of my target audience is like, you know, marketers that are in businesses and they're they're allowed to be on LinkedIn all day, but not their phones or social media. So they're just scrolling through professional Facebook basically all day. And then here comes my video and I I'll share like a final video. I'll I'll show the behind the scenes and kind of talk about the challenges from that project and then the results, right? So I have a lot of people reach out to me from that because I know my audience is on LinkedIn a lot, right? So I would say that's critical. And then also like make yourself searchable, right? So your, your website is, has to be out. Like I had a, a friend of mine or a person in my, one of my Facebook groups ask like, is having a website in, like even matter anymore? Like I just have a really good Instagram feed and it's like, would you ever hire a business that didn't have a website? You know, like that's just, you have to have a professional landing place that people can go and be like, oh, this guy's legit. Like he has a website, he has proven portfolio. He has a form that I can fill out and then optimize that whole experience. So then people have a good experience with you. So I have like a CRM that I use. If somebody fills my forms out, I have automatic emails that go to them that send them a questionnaire that asks them certain questions about their business. I ask them about their budget right away. If they have a budget range, they're trying to stay in. So I know what type of client I'm dealing with and I can weed out all the crap before I even talk to him or waste my time on him. So
2: yeah. What CRM do you use by the way?
0: Uh, Studio Ninja. They're out of Australia. Yeah. I actually just switched yep. over cause I was using a bunch of free stuff and trying to piecemeal it. And I'm like, I'm just going to bite the bullet and get a paid one. And I've been really enjoying it so far. So
2: Yeah. I've heard good things about that as well. Uh, Glad you're using CRMs. We've preached that a lot. I mean, as a solo pro, as you know, uh, you can only do so much with your time, you know, and if you have these automation uh, situations uh, set up for you, uh, then it could save a lot of time. So I love to hear that. Um, Can you tell us, you know, if our listeners are like, hey, Ryan sold me, I'm ready to become a video marketer and add this to, you know, the service offering at our company. How can, like, what should they start learning? Like, it, would it be like, just go learn how to do Facebook ads or would it just, you know, is there a a direction that you would point them to start really learning more about this?
0: Sure. So, um, my YouTube channel is a great place to go. I put out a bunch of free videos, um, mainly because I, I try to refer people to like business resources. And there's not a lot of that stuff out there for free out there. So I try and put some free stuff out there. So um, that's a good place to go. But then really, I think the first step is figuring out who your client is that you want. Like if you if you can close your eyes for a second and just think about in five years, if I was doing this full time, making millions of dollars a year, I had a team around me. What types of clients would I be serving? And if you can really try and figure that out or what do you love to shoot specifically like, do you like golf courses? Do you like doing fitness edits? Do you like doing weddings? Like whatever it is, once you figure that out, then you can start to kind of craft your marketing strategy on how you want to go about doing that. Um, if, you, if you're if you picking a niche that doesn't have a need for you to run ads, obviously you don't need to learn that skill. But I would say for most people that are serving businesses, since that's a lot of the clients that are out there, um, it's it's critical to know that or at least have an understanding of how it works so you can talk the talk. Um, So then when people talk about lookalike audiences, your eyes don't go crossed and you just look like your brain shut off, you know? So Mm -hmm.
1: for our listeners, you know, when someone's first starting out, you know, they're trying to build this marketing sector into their business model. Right. So for them, you know, what do you recommend? Like, where do they start with packages? Like, do they just start offering like uh, to run the Facebook ads in addition to the video? Like, is there a good starting place for someone who's kind of learning this, this process and learning kind of to implement the marketing strategy along the way?
0: Sure. Sure. That's a great question. I think, um, if you're just starting out Facebook ads, once you start to know what you're doing enough that you're like, okay, I want to offer this to my first client. I would say, tell them that they need to have an ad budget. So you're not paying out of pocket for it. So like $10 a day or whatever, hundred bucks a month, whatever it is. Um, and then just say, okay, for the first three months, um, it's only going to be $100 a month for me to manage this for you. Obviously, in the future, you would charge a lot more, but then you can learn on the, com- on the customer's dime, basically. So they're going to pay you very low to manage that, but you're going to learn a lot more from practicing because you could read a book about Facebook ads, but it's not going to really teach you the ins and outs, right? I've lost personally thousands of dollars on Facebook ads running ads for my courses and stuff like that. So I've learned a lot just from doing that, but then also running clients ads, we've learned what works and what doesn't. So I would say, like, find a find a client that's willing to let you do it because they are thinking about it. They want to run the ads. But they have no clue and no desire to do it themselves, right? So that's what I would say as a starting point. And then once you get established, I usually you know I'll charge hundreds, if not thousands, to manage it per month. And then if your ads are doing well, you don't really have to change anything. You just check in on them once a week. Send a send a report over, which Facebook automates those as well, so you can just export it and send it over and then have them kind of review it with you so you know where the progress is standing on it. So hopefully that makes sense a little bit as a place to start.
2: When you're looking at charging for managing an ad spend, is it like 10%, 20%? Do you have any kind of like rule that you go by? Yeah, I would just make it a flat rate. And usually I do value-based pricing on all my
0: projects, but for ads, I would say like 500 bucks a month to manage it or something. And then knowing that you're probably going to, it's going to fluctuate between say 10 to 30 hours a month that you're going to manage it or less. Like, again, it just depends on the client. If the ad's doing really well, you don't have to touch it very much. But in the beginning, there's a lot of testing back and forth. So again, this is where you get people kind of on a retainer where they're paying you monthly. And then you also just say, Hey, you know, when you're running ads, it's going to take at least three months for you to see any return because we have to test things and figure out what works before we put some more money behind it. So you can do a three-month package or you can do a six-month package and I can run them for six months for you. And, you know, you can kind of fill in the blanks there. So I would say for the for the management side, charge a flat rate for that if you can monthly and then give them a discount monthly if they do more months. So like I'll give them a little bit less per month if they book for six months because now I've just gotten a lot more cash flow. Cash flow is always important. So uh, give them a benefit for paying you more up front in that way. So.
2: Yeah, I think managing expectations there is so crucial to your success because a lot of clients just think, Hey, if I put five hundred bucks in this week, I'm gonna get a thousand back and I'm good. And then they see the first week and it's, they lost that whole 500 and it's like, it it takes a while, you know, you got to figure out what works and what doesn't. And there is an investment, there is a process where you're losing money sometimes to figure that out. And they need to have enough budget to weather that storm to go the whole three months to six months so they can actually get to a point where it's like, all right, this ad works. Now it's scalable. Like we could put some real money behind this and like really grow it. And so managing those expectations from the very beginning is crucial.
0: For sure, yeah. I think it really just you have to lay it out for them, and if they're not comfortable even spending like ten dollars a day, then tell them like, hey, just to even get any results, that's usually where we start. As a, it's a pay to play, you know, we can't just do we can't just do this for free. Like it's going to cost money for me to manage this. It's going to cost money for you to run the ads, but it's worth the exposure. It's a lot cheaper than running TV. It's a lot higher quality than running TV because you can reach the exact people that you want to reach online, where they're always spending the most time. So. um, Yeah, I think that that's important too. And then a tactic that I use a lot too is just not that you're like hard to get, but really like say, you know, maybe video is not right for you or I want to make sure that it is before we go down this road because I don't want to waste your time or mine. Like I want to get you real real results because that's what I'm here to do. So a lot of times it's managing those expectations and really leveling with people and saying, hey, um, you know, you you should focus your efforts in this area rather than video or we should use video in other ways. The secret about that is that video almost always is the solution for people. It just depends right. on how you <laughs> implement it in their strategy. So,
2: hmm. when you're shooting your videos, do you ever shoot planning out like A B's? Like for example, I'm going to shoot this video on this shooting day three different ways, so I can have you know different ways to A B test this. Or do you shoot it one way and then just do a couple different edits and A B test it that way?
0: Yeah, that's that's a great question. If we know we're going to A/B test it, I always do scripting it out differently and almost always I'll A/B test the hook. So the first 5 seconds of the video because that's really what you're trying to test initially is how can I hook somebody's attention and grab them right away. Um for Facebook ads, I have a certain formula that I follow. It's kind of like a script that I use for sales videos compared to click-through videos or if we're trying to do remarketing so you can run ads to people that have been on your website in the last 30 days that's a lot different of a, of a video script than somebody that's never heard of my business before. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. If I was on uh, Adidas and I'm looking around at some shoes and then I leave and then I come back and it's, it's a video it's like, Hey Ryan, we saw you were looking at these shoes. You should buy them. It's (laughs) like, Whoa, that's a lot more like it, it just gets my attention a lot more than some general ad that I'd see on TV for Adidas, if that makes sense. So um, that's kind of the, the formula that I follow is more, scripting it around that and then I'll shoot usually three different hooks for an opener and then I'll A-B test based on that.
2: Yeah, I love the hooks tip because that's pretty easy to do too.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: Do you include subtitles for all of your videos?
0: I do, yep. So with, with Facebook ads, you almost have to. 80% of people that watch Facebook ads are watching them without audio. So if you don't have subtitles either that you manually put in on the video or you add them in Uh, on the Facebook AI, um, you you really want to do that because it helps increase conversion. So the numbers that I always say, and you guys can just use these too, if you're listening, um, an average click-through rate on an ad for Facebook is 1%. So out of a hundred people, one person will actually click the ad if it's a good ad. If it's crappy, it's going to be less than that. It's a lower percentage than that. So use that as a, as kind of a, as a bracket when you're talking to clients. So say, you know, we can run more ad, we can put more money behind the ad, but like I said earlier, out of a hundred people, a good ad will get 1% click through. So if we want to get it in front of 10,000 people, that's going to increase the, the click through rate a lot more and put more people on your website to give us a better chance to convert some of these people into sales. But again, it's like, how do we, are we going to use the ad as a one-off? So we're trying to just hard sell right away. Are we trying to build the email list? Is that the, the number we're looking for? Are we trying to just get people on the website to show interest. And then we're going to hit them again with a remarketing ad later on. So now that they've shown interest and they're on the website, now they're going to see a different message or how are we going to do it? So really the the ad side of it can get really kind of thick and gross if you'd never heard of any of the things I'm talking about. But that's really how you can establish your kind of thought leadership and your credibility with a client is that it's going to th- sound so thick and gross, but if you can focus on the results they're going to get, They're just going to hire you to do it because they don't even want to attempt to learn how to do it themselves. It just it's too taxing on their time, and they don't have time for that crap. So
2: it's almost like making videos. Like, yeah, I mean, technically they could just turn their phone on and make a video, but then the editing and the sound effects and the transitions is like just do it for me already.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and I think that and that that same mentality can be transferred over to the ad side and the marketing side. Is that hey, and they can even say that I've had I've had clients bring that up to me. I'll pitch them on a video, and they're like, you know, I could just shoot this on my phone. I'm like. Yeah, but you wouldn't be talking to me unless you had no time to do it yourself or no interest to do it because you need other things, you needed other things to be taking up your time than trying to figure out how to shoot a video. And the other benefit that comes with me is that I script out everything. We talk about how the video is a strategic marketing piece rather than just something fluffy that you'd put on the internet. It has a purpose, it fills a void in your marketing plan you don't have. And then it's gonna try it's gonna force your customers and your viewers to take action, which is what you want. Like so hiring me is gonna get them to take action. If you shoot something on your iPhone, they're probably not going to do it unless you know my formula about
1: how I do it. So, and you know, Ryan, when you're you're talking to these potential clients, you you know, having these conversations with these leads, what do you what do you talk about when you're pitching them on video marketing and why it's, you know, so important for them to have it in
0: 2020 and uh, you know, beyond? Sure. Uh a good place to start is if their competitors are doing it or aren't doing it. Um that's always a good place to start where you can kind of twist the knife in the wound, so to speak. There's a lot of cutthroat like that. competitors that are like, like I, I, this in my space, it's really huge here in Des Moines. Uh, the HVAC space, all the guys that do heating and cooling companies, one company started running ads on TV and now they all run them on TV. And <laughs> uh, we had one of them come to us at Applied that was asking about that. And they're like, well, we run a, We want to run ads, but they wanted to just pretty much rip off another company. And I'm like, the whole point of marketing is to stand out in a good way and be memorable. So don't just do the Sunday, 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 like car dealership sale or mattress (laughs) sale. Like Everybody's doing that. Right. And it's annoying the hell out of the audience to do something completely different. So what we did was we scripted a whole video series around it being really quiet. So it's like, there's just a static locked off shot on like a crib with like the little mobile spinning around And then text slowly flashes on screen text slowly flashes out. It jars the customer because they're sitting there watching their mattress sale commercials back to back to back where people are screaming at them about discounts and stuff. And then this changes their, their, I guess, psyche, if you will, it grabs their attention. It gets them to think and read and watch and listen and pay attention. So that's just one strategy that we've used to do that. And again, it's just like, you have to figure out how to, how to make them feel it. Right. So One, if it's cutthroat competition, that's a good way to go. The second is really like leaning into the mission of the company, right? So if it's like uh, a yoga studio, for example, I have a client of mine that they're opening up a new studio over in Omaha. They're, They're really trying to figure out how do we grow our initial membership base, right? So all of my pitch, everything I'm talking about, all the video stuff, it's not about the video, it's how do we get more people in the door here? to build a really, really strong customer base for you. So you have a great 2021 for sales and membership retention. Yeah. Um, and
2: community. I,
0: yes, exactly. And I know that their churns very low once they get people in, cause they have such a great product. So it's like, I can kind of, you know, gas them up a little bit, you know, make them feel good. Cause I know mm-hmm. it's true. It's like, Hey, once we get, you know, if somebody can do a free trial, their, their rate of conversion 75%. So if we can get 10 people in the door, seven of those people are going to be customers and your average lifetime on a customer is about a year. So if they're paying a hundred dollars a year, that's $700, you know, that, that type of stuff. So we can, and I ask these questions in the discovery meeting, if I can learn about their business, if they're comfortable enough to tell me the numbers, I can just lay it out black and white. It's like, Hey, if we can get more people in the door, it's going to affect your business this way. Or you can just reverse engineer it like I just did. And I know what they sell their memberships for. I know the retention rates and I can figure out the rest. Right. So then when I'm selling them the video, it's like, Hey, this video is going to bring in a lot more people in your studio. It's going to help convert them into members. Um, You guys have a great product, so you're going to retain them. And that's going to be critical for you guys to make sure you guys have enough cash flow going into the new year with the pandemic going on. So it's, it's stuff like that. It's, I'm not talking about video with them. I'm talking about, business solutions and how to get a result with it and the outcomes that it's going to happen so
2: yeah you know you just you said a couple buzzwords which i love and i want to further explain them to our audience so they can listen and use the buzzwords as well so for example churn uh talk us through churn sure. what does this mean
0: sure so churn I, and again i sorry if i'm talking over people's heads i went to school for business so i know all these terms so this is that's a good point um so churn is more when you have a business that keeps people in it on monthly memberships. The churn is the amount of people that leave every month because they're not satisfied with the result. They're, you know, they don't like the memberships or whatever. So I shoot a lot with gyms and that's a really big problem for a lot of gyms is how do you attract and keep people, right? So like I'm, you know, I pay my gym membership. It's $40 a month at my gym. I've been there for like five years. So the churn rate for me is like very low because I'm a happy customer. I enjoy my gym, Right. Then there's the people that go, they go for two weeks and then they leave. Uh, that would be a high churn. So if you have a business that's like that, one, your your service probably isn't very good or your retention's not good. So you need to fix that. So that's kind of what churn mm-hmm. is.
2: And how about customer acquisition cost as CPA? Yeah. Yep. Is it CPA? Yeah.
0: Yep. So with some of these businesses, especially e-com and some of these other ones that you can track it, the marketers will actually know how much it costs for them to bring a new customer in, which is like. The golden egg. If you can figure that out, if you're talking to an econ business or anybody that can knows that number, that if we spend $150, we'll get a new customer. Like that's yeah, repeatable. It, it's cac.
2: Sorry. Yeah. It's cac.
0: Oh, there you go. Yes, yes. Um, customer acquisition cost. Yeah. So if you can get that number from an established marketing company or sales company, like that's so critical. And then also on the flip side, if they're a sales driven organization, so they have people that are in the cars on the phones door knocking, they're calling people. That's a really high expense for the business. So you can say, Hey guys, I see you guys have a sales team of a hundred people that are running territories, knocking doors. The cost of acquisition for a client for that's probably like four or $5,000, right? Cause you're paying for gas. You're paying for the sa- the commissions for the salespeople. Like I'm going to take that sales process. I'm going to automate it and I'm going to put it on the internet. So you don't have to pay as much for that anymore. And that really lights yeah. people's brains up because they're not thinking about video and oh crap, I got to pay a $1,000 day rate or $2,000 for edit or whatever. It's like, oh man, like I could save a lot of money by not having my sales guys have to drive to California. I can just run ads of those people in California. So that's kind of the interesting thought there.
2: So for Industry Jump, our CAC in Los Angeles has run $15 to acquire a new content creator. So when we're building out our ad spends, which we don't really do much of, uh, we just know, hey, it's, it costs around $15 to get a new sign up from a content creator in Los Angeles. And in different markets, it, it's different. You know, in New York, it goes up to 20 and, and whatnot. So those are things that we found out just by running ads, you're spending a certain amount of money. And then by looking at the signups and say, all right, well, here's the average out of this total spend. Here's the number of signups that we got.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I do that with my webinars for my online courses as well when I was running ads. It's like, okay, how many people do I have to get in the webinar to convert one? And then it's like, then you just reverse engineer the CAC for it. It's like, okay, if I need to get 200 people into the webinar and I'll convert one person for 200 bucks or $1,000 or whatever the cost of your product is, then you can reverse engineer it and figure out how to break even. So, okay, if I spend $1,000 to get that person in, I broke even, cool. But how many people could I get in that? Maybe I can increase that conversion rate a little bit more or figure out different ways to make more money from it. So absolutely.
2: Right. And then the final buzzword, lifetime value. Mind explaining that for us?
0: Sure. So customer lifetime value, I actually have a whole video on YouTube about it and it has like no views because nobody searches for that, <laughs> but it's really yeah, important right? <laughs> if anybody wants to watch <laughs> okay. it. Um, no, customer lifetime value is again, it's how much money are you going to ha- make from that person over the lifetime that they interact with your business, right? So again, a membership business, we're, we were talking about it earlier, kind of beating around it. We just never talked about that term. If you have a one-off project with a client and say they, they you know, it's a music video, you get $1,000 for the music video from a really high-end artist and you never hear from them again, right? If you figure out a way to make that into a product, so, okay, we're going to sh- run ads for your new EP drop. We're going to run traffic to your site to sell records or downloads or whatever. We're going to run the ads for three months. Now your client just turned into from $1,000. You're going to run those ads for 500 a month. Now you just made $1,500 from the ads. Now you just turn that client from $2,000 into $2,000 plus $1,500. You're also keeping that conversation going with them to maybe shoot another music video down the road. So it's basically making um, re- like recurring business from the same client that you have. So you can really work that strategy into your video business. If you want to, it's building out retainers. It's following up with good clients that you like to work with to maybe shoot more videos down the road or setting up a video series or some kind of reason to recurringly shoot more stuff for them.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, a way that content creators can maybe figure this out or estimate this is to look at their past five or 10 clients and say, okay, what is the total income that I made from each one of these clients? And then to average that out and then to maybe see, well, this client in this space spent on average this much money uh, and my lifetime value was a little bit higher here. So maybe I want to dive into that niche a little bit more or whatnot. And so that's a good way to figure out lifetime value for your own content creation business as well. Sure.
0: Yeah. And like a good example of like, very bad customer lifetime value would be like a wedding, right? You hope you don't have to shoot the same person's wedding twice.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a very good example. We're hoping
0: they're not getting divorced and remarried every year. But again, it's like the value from them would be if you did a good job, then they're going to refer you more business to their friends and family. Right. So again, it's like that one client may, you might not shoot for them again, but every industry is a little bit different on, on that as well.
1: And you know, Ryan, as we're kind of working to, to wrap up here, what, what are some other tips for success, you know, you'd, you'd recommend to to videographers out there, especially, you know, when they're trying to develop and build out a marketing sector into their business? You know, like one of the biggest things I recommend to videographers um, when they're first getting starting out, and, and I guess this is somewhat in marketing, but just overall in selling yourself, you know, is, is building out a sales script that you can follow and, and you can practice and read off from to an extent to where, you know, after using it for a week or a couple of weeks, you know, it just comes and flows right off the tongue. So you can be a lot more confident, direct and kind of really lead the client or the potential client through that conversation. Like what other methods um, would you recommend for videographers starting out to to maximize um, on the, uh, you know, developing a marketing sector and, and utilizing that to to scale up their business?
0: Sure. That's a great question. I think sales scripts are huge. Um, one of the big things to to get this skill in is that you have to really just do it. It's one of those things. Like you could read a book about how to drive a car, but until you actually get behind the wheel and hit, a, run over a couple like uh, parking cones and and figure out all that <laughs> type of stuff, like you just have to get in the car and do it. So what I'd recommend for people is if you're at a point in your business where you have a little bit of extra cash to run ads for your own freelance business, start figuring that out for yourself. Because if you can get results for yourself, one you get more business, and two you're building a, a skill set that you can actually leverage to get results for your clients. So Um, I think that's really number one is figuring that out and being okay with it. I think a lot of times I'll talk to videographers and they just get really upset with me when I talk about business because if they're not very good at it, they just get defensive and don't want to talk about it or think I'm like making stuff up or whatever, but I'm very open about it. Obviously I'm talking about it for an hour, the last hour, (laughs) but, um, I just want to share more of that type of stuff with people because for some reason it just money puts people in a really weird mood. And if you don't have a good relationship with money and a money mindset, you think that businesses think like people do and they don't Uh, businesses think in terms of ROI. So if you can figure out how to get a return on investment or ROI, it makes, it just makes sense for them to spend money with you because if I put $1 in, I'm going to get $2 out. And that, like, if you can do that on repeat for a client, they should spend as much money as possible with you once you can prove you can do it. So I would say the first thing is learning the skill of running ads and then really just running through your sales process with somebody when you're in a meeting with them, kind of rehearsing it in the mirror, so to speak. It's okay. Like I said, when you get to the end, you present the price, let them answer first. Like here's the price. It's going to be $20,000 for this project. And you just sit there and you just listen, let them respond. And then again, before the end of the meeting comes up, you're just going to say, Hey, so here from what I understand, here's what your options are. You lay their options out, and you just talk it through with them because that's what they're going to have the conversation internally about. So if you can steer that narrative in the meeting already, um, it helps kind of put you above other people that are out there as well.
1: Right, right, and yeah, um, you know. Also, Ryan, just looking towards the future, you know, just with the pandemic and everything that's happened, um, you know, where are you setting your sights for the future in regards to, to clientele? Like e-commerce has continued to grow and rise. You know, would you recommend for videographers to you know put their efforts um towards local businesses for starting out or you know should they you know put all their their eggs in one basket and reach out for e- e-commerce based businesses like what what are your thoughts there
0: sure i think the big thing is just knowing what niches are really doing well right now and which aren't so don't solicit the ones that are really struggling for obvious
2: reasons they don't- like james
0: yeah right <laughs> Well, actually gyms are in, in Iowa, they're full, they're fully open now and they've been the last times, but that could also be a way that if they have money and they have clients that are coming in, uh, you could run ads for them to get more people to come in now that they're open or something. But
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, if you shoot for nightclubs or events, like, I'm sorry, you're kind of SOL right now. Like that really does suck. And I empathize with those people a lot. Cause it's like, oh crap, your whole, uh, customer base is basically out of work right now. So I think the first thing is, as a, as a freelancer, you have to have um, diversity in your income. You have to have different places that you're making money. Um, get into stock, get into YouTube, start an online course, do something. There's so many ways you can make money with this skill set. I think that's the first thing is having other ways that you're monetizing, right? Um, the second would also be finding other niches that you want to get into that maybe are good. So e a really good one. Um, trying to find like certain niches that Still have a demand that maybe they need to go live stream or they need to have like their virtual event videotaped or live streamed like those are really great ways to pivot right now um but yeah, just don't the the thing that I keep hearing too is that like people keep throwing their hands up and saying, "Well, it's just the situation like I'm just gonna wait till this goes away, and that's the absolute worst mindset to have if you're really struggling right now. It's like how do I take the skills that I have and make it work and figure out new ways to make money and diversify my income and do stock footage, or do YouTube, or find other ways to crew out stuff, or editing gigs. There's just so much out there that you can do in this industry um, to make it right now. It's just a matter of having the right mindset and and not having a "woe is me" mentality, really.
1: Absolutely, you know. Uh, and also, Ryan, you know, real quick for our listeners, are there any like just off the rip tips you can give us with using Facebook ads and Instagram ads, like? Do you only use um, lead gen or do you never use brand awareness? Like any quick tips you can kind of give to our uh, our listeners here that that might be interested in, in getting a marketing sector going today or tomorrow for their business?
0: Sure, sure. I think the first thing I would suggest is do a lead gen campaign almost always. Um, the great thing about and what that means, lead generation is when you send traffic from that ad to a landing page on a website and then they put in their email and then give you their email for something right so it's a really soft ask. Uh, it's a great way to do it. You can give people webinars, downloads, whatever, whatever people want. But that serves a dual process. One is it gets them the email so you can sell them an email, which has a higher conversion rate than just directly selling on Facebook ads. And two, you have their email now, so you can use that as a marketing thing in the future. And that's just kind of a nice add-on that, hey, we ran great ads, but then we also collected emails that you can market to later on for the business. So I would say if you're starting out, really understand lead generation campaigns. That's the first thing. And then just try to avoid traffic-based campaigns, um, awareness campaigns, impressions. Those are all just vanity metrics. You could have a million people watch a video, but did any of them buy? Did any of them take action? Did any of them convert? Because that's what the business wants. You want to say, heck yeah, our ad got 2 million views. It's like, oh, cool. Mm -hmm. What did the video tell them to do? It's like, oh, we didn't even have a call to action. We just, we just did a cool video. And it's like, (laughs) Like you gotta be smart about it, people like it's got it's the business doesn't care. they want the result. It could go to a hundred people, but if eighty of them bought, you're doing really well, so it's it's uh just a matter of figuring that out on the back end.
1: definitely, I
2: love definitely. it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all of your insights today, Ryan. I'm sure our listeners learned a lot, sure, sure, yeah, um happy to do it, guys, and um, like I said. Any of the
0: stuff that I talked about, I think it's all in my blog. So com slash blog, it should be all there, like the customer lifetime value video. And I have another video about how to sell high end, uh, ticket, high ticket videos and stuff. So just a lot of free videos you can watch and learn. And just I think people should just be more open to learning about the business side because it's so critical to, um, to really running a really successful freelance business.
2: Yeah, 100%. And, and you already talked about, the importance of diversifying your income and I'm glad you did because on our next episode we'll be talking through how you can do that and how you can build multiple sources of income how you can diversify yourself as a content creator but otherwise you can follow us on Instagram at Learn Videography and at Industry Jump and you can follow our special guest at Ryan underscore S-N-A-A-D-T along with Kyle at Cal Visuals and myself at JJ Englert that's all we got for today gentlemen thank you so much for another fantastic episode of Learn Videography. Woo!
1: Much love for coming on, Ryan. Woo!
2: Thank you, Ryan. For sure. Much love. Go!